Hi, and welcome to TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers podcast, a program of educators worldwide. Welcome to our November series. This month, we will be focusing on culturally responsive teaching. I hope you'll join us as we have educators from around the world share with us their experiences on making their classroom teaching practices more culturally responsive. Um, hello and welcome. My name is Amy Alice Chastain. I am a member of the Board of Directors for Educators Worldwide, um, and we are here with Jennifer Gonzalez, who is the Chair and CEO of Educators Worldwide. Um, and it is my honor and privilege this morning to speak with her for our TTELT podcast, um, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. Um, and I'm excited about the things that she has to share this morning. So let's jump right into it. Jennifer, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, and thank you, Amy Alice. It's great to be here with you today. So I, as you said, am the chair and CEO of Educators Worldwide. We are the parent company of TTELT. So TTELT is a project or program of Educators Worldwide. I have been an educator for over 20 years, and I have experience working with diverse populations in the United States, uh, Namibia, and Djibouti in particular. My focus has always been across the spectrum when it comes to education. I've taught early childhood, elementary education. Uh, so I've taught all subjects. I've also taught uh, indigenous peoples on a reservation in the United States. I've been an education consultant for students with special needs and positive school behavior supports. And then I've also done textbook development and curriculum development, specifically in Namibia and Djibouti. Well, a lot of exciting experience to, experiences to share with us today. Um, and so I'm particularly interested today in hearing about your take on rethinking and reimagining imagery and vocabulary that we use in our classes. And so what initially prompted you to reconsider your approach to using imagery and teaching vocabulary to English learners? Yes, so this all kind of stems from um, my exposure to a wide variety of cultures very early on. And also I have to say that both of my parents were teachers as well. So I grew up in this sort of education mindset and hearing the stories that they had to share. And oftentimes what I have found is that there's a disconnect culturally between what we're presenting or what we're teaching in the classroom versus what our students know or understand or are ready to um, access. So one of the stories that I have is actually working on an indigenous reservation in the southwestern part of the United States on a Navajo reservation. And the kids there were using a textbook and the story in it referenced the smell of fresh cut grass. Well, in this part of the United States, on this particular reservation or at the school, there was no fresh cut grass around. There wasn't even really grass that we think of as like a lawn or a yard. So the kids really struggled with the concept 
of what is fresh cut grass. And so it was at that moment that I realized there was a disconnect between this textbook that was built on very sort of Western ideas or mainstream culture, American ideas of having a green lawn, green grass lawn that was cut with a lawnmower and the smell or the experience associated with that. And I realized that I had to make these experiences and the language of the textbook relevant for the students. Um, so I've always kind of brought that lens into my teaching and into my consulting work. Yeah, and I think that really begins to answer my next question. Um, and, and, and I think that a lot of teachers feel limited by textbooks or maybe don't feel like they're qualified as much as the writers of the textbooks. And so why do you think that adaptation of, and perhaps sometimes departure from a textbook, for example, is really important? So textbooks, as I've said, they're not written for your local context. They are not written for your students specifically. They're usually written for a very broad audience. Um, so even if I'm working on doing a Jabushin textbook, which is my most recent project, um, and we're developing it in country, it is a group of writers and you're trying to make a general textbook that could connect to all students. Well, all students have very different lived experiences. And this is why we have to take into consideration in our classrooms, you know, recognizing and acknowledging culture and how that can impact our students. So in order to do that, we look at the textbook as a guide. It is a piece of material. It is not the curriculum of our teaching. It is just a tool that we use and it can help guide us. So I think it's really important to adapt, to modify, um, and sometimes you know add in other materials to make it relevant to your students. Um, so for example, when I was working with the textbook in Djibouti, um, we had a whole unit on houses and we were talking about all the different words and the list of words that we had for the vocabulary just came directly from the, you know, the CAFR uh, pre-A1 list, A1 list that's out there and it talks about the kitchen, the dining room, the living room, the bedrooms, and then all of the sort of ideas of what belongs in each of those rooms. And having traveled throughout um, Djibouti, I knew that not all of the students, one, had all of those rooms. Some of the students there are nomadic, they're living in more of a woven um, structure type home made out of woven palm, I believe it is. And it, it's very differently shaped. It's one room. There is more of like a platform bed for type structure for sleeping on. There is a small area towards the front of the door for cooking. Um, it's a, over an open fire with, a, with a, maybe a single pot. This is very different than the house that has an upstairs, a downstairs, a basement, an attic. Um, it's very different than a home that has a kitchen with an oven and a dishwasher and a, a, a sink. So 
if this is the reality of a student's home, bringing in this terminology that they can't connect to at all doesn't make sense. We have to start with what is in your home and then build off of that and show other images, bring in other words that connect. So I can show a picture of what your bed looks like. You could draw a picture of what your bed looks like or your room looks like, and we can talk about what's there. And then I can also show other imagery of what beds or rooms look like in different places around the world. And that really takes away this idea that all rooms look like a fancy high-end Western home or apartment. <laughs> yeah, and so I think you've touched on several of the challenges um, that arise from this kind of singular approach uh, mm -hmm. that comes from a textbook. And the other thing that I think is important that you've touched on is this idea of culture. And I think many people, when they hear the word culture, they think of like big C culture, mm -hmm. right? And they think you have to come from a different place entirely in the world or speak a different language and those kinds of things. But what I'm hearing you say that I think is important for all teachers is that we have varied backgrounds in our learners, even mm -hmm. in single language, single culture, big C culture, classroom. Yeah. Um, and so, and you've already begun to give us some amazing ideas. And so I'm interested now in hearing um, any other specific tips for teachers who really, they're listening to this and they're going, oh my gosh, I didn't think of this or, oh, I, I, I relate to this. Mm -hmm. And they really want to be culturally appropriate in their classrooms, but they're just not sure where to start. Um, and like I said, I know you've given us a couple of ideas already mm -hmm. that are really great. Um, so can you speak more to those specific tips um, to really empower our listeners right now? Sure. So um, I think one of the first places to start is that as educators, we have to recognize that our experiences, how we live, um, what's in our homes, what's in maybe around us, the things that we do is very different oftentimes from the experiences of our students. Um, that can kind of be difficult to do. Um, so, and that's whether or not you are, would consider yourself from that culture, um, that big C kind of culture, meaning, well, I'm from, you know, Djibouti, and this is how Djiboutians live. It's recognizing that in Djibouti or in um, the United States that we don't all live in the same way. And that oftentimes teachers live very differently than students. So that's number one. And then number two, you need to kind of start looking at the materials around you. Think about the concept that you're teaching. If the concept that you're teaching is, you know, about clothing, let's say, for example, look at what your kids are wearing to school or if they're wearing a uniform to school, look at what the kids and the people in the community are wearing and then work from there. Um, in some cultures, it's not gonna be to make sense to start out with uh, jackets and fuzzy winter hats or boots 
if we're wearing sandals, um, maybe a sarong or a scarf. Now, scarf and sarong or sandals may be higher up on that, you know, A1, A2 list that we're given of vocabulary. But because it's what's used and what kids or people in the community are wearing, it's the important language that we learn. Um, because you, you need to communicate. If somebody's going to talk about what I'm wearing to somebody else or what I need, I need those words. I, I don't need some of the other words. I can get to those words um, as we expand out. So I like to think of this as start local, start where they are at, what they know expand out. So I think of kind of like rings together, start local, expand out. The next ring is maybe larger what's in the, the country as a whole or other cultural experiences within country that they might have come across and then go global and expand out to a larger ring. So what is it like in other places that other kids or other people might be experiencing? Um, and then always I try and use realia, real life objects, uh, bring those into the classroom. So if it's in your environment or have kids maybe bring in something or students bring in something from their home or bring in a picture. So if I'm teaching adults and we're talking, I'm just going to go back to that house and room idea. If we're talking about your house or your room, have them take a picture and bring that in and then start talking about what are the items in the rooms as well. Um, another great um, resource that I'm good, just gonna share really quickly for that. So if they can't bring in pictures of rooms, I found this artist, John um, Thackray. He does a project called the My Room Project and he has um, photographed over a thousand rooms from around the world. So you could see a, a room from uh, Lesotho, you could see a room from uh, India, you could see a room from Pakistan, a room from Japan. Um, and then you could bring this in and share this with your students as well so that they could talk about the rooms. Well, my room has this. Well, my room has this, you know, um, as well. So those are some places that I would start. I love these ideas so much, Jennifer. Um, and, and I'm thinking because we are talking about being culturally responsive, right? That some of these ideas not only are about meeting our students where they are, but it's also, helping us to expose our students to more varied um, and diverse ideas about who other people are. Exactly. Um, and not just creating this single picture. And so I'm going to recap what, what I think that I've heard <laughs> as some of your, your main tips. And please correct me if I, if I miss anything, um, because I'm so excited about these tips. Um, so I love the idea of starting local. And, and I would say even starting individual, mm -hmm. right? And, and then working out and this idea or this imagery to stay with our kind of theme for you today, of uh, these rings kind of moving out and, and ever expanding to take in more vocabulary, more topics. 
Um, and I think the other idea that was really important is not being so tied to or worried about where a particular vocabulary word might fall on list of difficulty or frequency or whatever on a larger global scale because it may be highly frequent for them in their lives. Um, so I think that's really valuable. I think back to my Chinese learning experience and how frustrated I was that early on in class when I had very little vocabulary or ability to go out and accomplish anything on a daily basis, they spent like a, a class and a half on vocabulary for changing money. And I said, you know, there's a window specifically for that. If I walk up and hand them money, they're, I'm going to get what I need. I don't need to spend time on this vocabulary. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the and just remembering that our students are resources is mm -hmm. another thing that I think is really valuable that you said. You know, when I, I've been surprised so many times when I've asked students to bring in a sample of something that mm -hmm. has surprised me. That's not what I had in my mind of what they were going to bring. Yeah. Um, and so, so this idea of realia or having students bring in their own things, um, I think is also super valuable. Uh, did I miss any anything, any highlight? No, I think you got it all. When we do this, we also shift the focus away from um, setting up a, another country as the ideal to work towards. Yes. And we honor the culture or the experiences of the people that we're working with. And we're saying it's, it's just as valid. And I think that Absolutely. that's really important. Absolutely. I think that's so exciting. Um, and yeah, and like I said, we could do, we could go all day. Um, but so you mentioned a couple of recent projects, the Jibushin textbook, for example. Um, what projects are you working on right now that you'd like to tell people about? Well, that is still one of my main focuses right now. We're we're starting up for grade six textbook in Djibouti. Um, and it's really exciting because we've had to negotiate a lot of different cultural ideas as we're preparing this. And one of those is also the types of activities that we use in our textbook and in the classroom. Um, we try, we're trying to introduce games, um, but we have to be very careful because um, sometimes games can be perceived as gambling. And so we've uh, learned a lot of ways to modify and negotiate. So if you are a person who is lucky enough to influence textbook development or materials development, once again, try and look at this from multiple cultural perspectives and find out ways to negotiate or consider how you can um, adapt. Great. And I know that you are part of um, oh, yes. CLT and educators worldwide. Um, but if teachers are looking for you, they want to reach out and talk more about this topic, mm -hmm. where should they contact you? Um, well, we'll be sure to provide my LinkedIn um, on the um, podcast pages, our website, and on YouTube so that you can link directly to me through LinkedIn. And that's probably the best way to reach me right now um, as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jennifer Gonzalez, for being here um, with us today and sharing these amazing tips. Thank you, Amy Alice, for being our guest host for this episode of TTELT podcast. 
And I hope that everybody will also continue to join us throughout this series as we invite other educators from around the world to share their experiences with culturally responsive teaching. Now, if you'd like an opportunity to work with me more in a small group setting, join our workshop that's coming up this weekend, November 6th from 9 a.m. Eastern time, which is UTC minus four. I will be talking about how we can use our strategies to adapt the vocabulary and imagery that we use in our lessons to be more culturally responsive for our students. Also, upcoming opportunity, every month, don't forget, we host our TTELT Talks. It is the last Saturday of the month. So November's TTELT Talks will be taking place on November 27th. We're working on modifying our times. We'll still have two times available so we can be more flexible and meet the needs of our audience. So be on the lookout for when our new times are published. And finally, don't forget to follow us, like us, and subscribe to our channels. You can start right now if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe down below, hit the bell for the notifications. Also, you can find us on Facebook. You can join our TTELT Facebook group so that you can always stay up to date on our latest workshops and events. We also have a new email address. It is info at TTELT.org. So reach out to us. Let us know what you're interested in or how we can support you as an educator. Thanks for joining us today.